Hello and welcome to On Deck Circle on KCOU 88.1 FM. I am Michael Levitt alongside Adam Rosen as we discuss the most newsworthy topics in baseball. Today we will recap the trade deadline, talk about the late Tom Seaver's impact on the game of baseball, plus more. So why don't you start us off, Adam, by um, talking about the tension between the Rays and Yankees on Tuesday. You know, I really don't understand what Kevin Cash's problem is. I don't see, well, honestly, seriously, maybe, but I really don't see why the Yankees, who have really struggled against the Rays all year, I believe they finished the year at 8-2 and two now, 2-8 two and eight against them. The Rays have beaten them 8 out of 10 times. Why would they throw at a guy's head, or intentionally at all, at someone in that situation in the ninth, in a safe situation, in a crucial divisional matchup? And, well, you know, I, you've really lost my supporter. You've really lost my... Empathy, uh, sympathy or empathy when you say I've got a whole stable of guys who throw 98 that's a really classless and childish remark to make and again even if his pitch was intentional you, you, do you really think threatening to throw someone throw at someone makes you sound like a victim that just makes you act to looking like you're trying to get vengeance on them you threaten to have your own players throw them at the other team get out of here your team threw at the and again your team you were the manager of a team that threw at an, a former Yan, at a Yankees player a few albeit that was a few years ago. Don't act like you're victims here. You are clearly just trying to persuade others to believe that you're the victim here. And again, don't like were both teams wrong? Maybe I don't I, but I just don't see why a team like the Yankees who kind of been struggling lately would even dare throw at someone intentionally right now when they're struggling and with what kevin cash said it's really hard for me to have any any remorse for them with even if unless the throw was intentional but still come on make yeah. it better be better i would agree with that um i mean definitely as the manager of a baseball team you have to have more you have to know not to do that if you're a manager i mean openly threatening the other team is just something that you don't want you don't do and, I mean, Kevin Cash making that comment detracts from the values of not only the Rays organization, but baseball as a whole. Um, I mean, throwing at the opposing team under any circumstance, whether it's warranted or not, is not only disrespectful, but it shines a negative light on the unwritten rules of baseball. I mean, it, it's sort of similar to um, Chris Woodward whining about Fernando Tatis Jr. hitting a home run on a 3-0 pitch when the Padres are up by seven runs. I mean, it's. I mean, it's just part of the game. I mean, I, I get that you're up a lot, but. I mean, you, you're you still try to win, and you don't know how many runs you're going to end up needing. So just, um, I mean, obviously you're not going to like steal or something in that situation. I get that, but I mean, going, um, hitting a home run is a totally different thing. And again, I mean, whether or not Chapman's pitch was intentional, I mean, the Rays still shouldn't have taken it a step further by, by threatening to take revenge on, on the Yankees. I mean, Cash saying that just, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's, it, it is hard to make them out as a victim. And obviously, if Cash had said that, yeah, it's a little easier to see. But 
Um, I mean, just between these two teams, there's been a ton of tension in the last few years anyway. So, I mean, I almost think it's sort of like the new Red Sox-Yankees rivalry, honestly. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, especially with Boston not doing too well this year, the Rays and the Yankees competing is sort of sort of the main matchup of the AL East. So, um, so them, I mean, the tension between those two, not, it does add to the, I guess, suspense between the two teams, or the, the rivalry, obviously, but it's still not something that you want to see happen. Yeah, I could say, I agree with that. And plus, really, I mean, if you look at other, like in, in the NFL, a player, you could punch someone in the face, but if you retaliate, you're the one who gets the penalty. Do I agree with that? Maybe not. But with this, I don't know if it's intentional or not, and then you just say that. I think it's different with this because in this, it's, I mean, I don't think it's intentional at all, and you could take it bad. I wouldn't be happy if it happened, even if it weren't intentional, especially if it were, were intentional. I would be, but if it didn't, even regardless, I'd be mad, but there's no reason to go back and threaten that because that is literally, like, you're basically just stooping down to their level it, regardless. You're just acting like, oh, you do it to me, I'm just going to get right back and hit, try and throw at you guys. So, I don't know. It's just a, it's a weird subject, but seriously, I no. There's just no room in the I, – I, you know, I, there's no room in the game for this. I just – you know, as someone who was like – I wasn't cheer I, – I, I'll admit I wasn't like – angry when someone like I knew someone like for the at least when terms of the Astros I knew there was going to happen I'm not going to say I like throwing it again I'm not going to say I like it when someone throws at others but I know it happens and I know why it happens but with this one I don't think it's a reasonable thing and honestly regardless I don't don't throw at someone just beat them seriously yeah I would agree I mean just outscore them yeah I think they should definitely just try to use that anger and Use it as motivation on the field. I yeah. mean, it's. I mean, there's no, there's no question that Cash shouldn't have said that. Um, I think, I think the. I mean, what he should have done instead of saying that is just go in front of the team. And yeah, maybe say if he thinks it's intentional, but tell the team not to retaliate and say. I mean, tell tell them to to use it to make themselves better and basically use, I mean, use it as revenge in your own mind to do better and beat them. Um, I mean, just use it as motivation, basically. Be the bigger person. And the whole thing about the, un- people are like, oh, the unwritten rules, you retaliate. Unwritten rules are only unwritten because the person who made, created them was too embarrassed to put them in writing because they're ridiculous. There's, there's, there's a take for you all. But on to something else. Uh, I, I want to talk about another stu- relating to another stud relief pitcher, Michael, Josh Hader. He's been ridiculous. Two earned runs in 12 appearances this year. He's only allowed 10 total base runners. And did I forget to mention, none of them were hits. He's been literally unhittable. He just set an MLB record for the most consecutive appearances to start a season without giving up a hit. And you look at his baseball savant stat cast percentiles rankings, he's basically in the top of almost every stat. His only problem is his tendency to walk batters, as in the, the game where he gave up those two runs, he walked five people, which to me one begs the question of why he was still in the game after walking even three, even two or three. But in the last several years, he's proven that he's definitely an elite, definitely up there, top 
of the tops in terms of top-tier relief pitching. He's not had a whip above one, an ERA even close to three. He's been ridiculous. And, Michael, do you think it – I think it's safe to say he is the best, absolutely the best relief pitcher in baseball right now. What are your thoughts? I would definitely say he's been the best relief pitcher in baseball this year. And, I mean, prior to this season, he had already been cemented as one of the best relievers for some time now. But he he just – he definitely took it to the next level this year. Um, 11 and two-thirds innings, no hits, struck out 18, which is, for a reliever, I mean, that's, even for a reliever, it is ridiculous. And, yeah, he's walked 10 batters, which sort of makes you question his control, but especially since he walked only 20 batters in over 75 innings last year. Um. But, I mean, it could be due to the fact that he has a he had a t- shorter time frame to get ready for the season, especially with the um, two shortened spring trainings. So, I mean, you wonder if, that, if that's part of it. And next year, if there, hopefully there's a regular season. I mean, like a, ba- the season's back to normal and, there are, um, and his control will be back. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could argue maybe Liam Hendricks or Kenley Jansen are up there. They've both been having amazing seasons. Um, I'd have to say for this year, Hayter's definitely the best reliever. I mean, he he has been unhittable in the. I mean, literally, and I mean, it's it's really hard to top that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's even possible to top that unless you literally just have struck out everybody. But for me, I think I think yeah, Josh Hader's definitely the best right now. But Liam Hendricks, I think, yeah, we, like you just you mentioned, Liam Hendricks, he's definitely up there. I mean, his whip right now is what, what point seven not, or sorry, point six seven. It's point six seven. His ad, batting average against is one forty three. He struck out twenty three. Um, he's given up what two earned runs. One of them, I know, he's given up a homer though, eight hits and sixteen point in the third innings. He, he's been pretty darn good. I mean, it's a really tough one because, to me, I think with Hendricks, uh, I don't know. I think with Hendricks, it's interesting because a hater is a lefty, and a lot of the time, lefty, I think a lot of the times I'd say a lefty relief, elite lefties are oldest Chapman, um, Josh Hader, um, I believe Brad Hand's a lefty. So, he is, yeah. Yes, and Taylor Rogers, he's not been like, but like, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather have Hader because there's so many great relief pitchers who are righties. And I think that makes the lefty part makes it so valuable, especially because, I mean, the issue is with him, there's almost a lot of the good hitters in that division, the the central, are, are righties. But with Hader, he can get anyone out. Hendricks also can. But to me right now, I would definitely prefer to have Josh Hader just because of what he's been able to do. And I think with his age right if i had to take a again off um if i had to take one of them for the next five years i would definitely take hater just because he's way younger and i um, think yeah. i mean I hendrix is 31 he'll be he'll be 32 at the start of next season josh hater will be 27 by about this next season so he's ridiculous i mean he, he's been flat out dominant yeah i mean the one the one sort of questionable aspect of it is 
not, I mean, not to take away from what he's doing, but if you were taking someone for the next five years, relievers in general have just a, a lot of volatility with them. So, I mean, a reliever can be good for a few years and then just totally fall off the map. Um, so, I mean, it's possible that that happens to either Hayter or Hendricks. It's probably not as likely, with, especially with Hayter, just because of how hard he throws. But, um, I mean, I guess it is... It, it looks a little problematic that his control is starting to go, but if he can get that back, then I would say no question, yeah. Yeah. His control last year was, like you said, he's, he only walked, what, 20 last year? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he only walked 20 people last year, but if you look at that wild card game, he blew it. Like, he had... He walked a bunch of guys, and then he gave up that hit to the the Juan Soto, drove in that double. Obviously, Grisham's got to make the play. I mean, if he makes that play, that's probably just a tie game. Who knows what happens from there? But like you said, relievers are all are just like they're so hard to predict because a bullpen almost every year, no, te- almost no. I don't think there's a single team I can think of that has literally had the same bullpen for more than three years straight. Because close like if you have a reliever they're only they're usually on short-term contracts even one year at most sometimes and if you think about it like you just said relievers can just drop fall off of a cliff at any point we've seen that with craig kimbrell this like he's been horrible absolutely horrible since the cubs signed him uh i mean we saw that for a few uh 10 years 15 years ago we saw that with brad lidge for about a season where i I believe it's actually after albert Pujols hit that moonshot in the NLCS, he really just fell apart for a bit, but then kind of came back into it. But again, relievers are really like they have like high can have like high ceilings, but then really low floors, and then they just go up and down because of their short inning. So how few innings they pitch, I yeah. think that's part of it. I mean, you do definitely have exceptions to that rule. Mariano Rivera, yes. Trevor Hoffman. I mean, there are some that have been exceptions. I mean, probably. Aside from Ariano, you can argue the greatest, maybe the greatest closer in recent memory, Francisco Rodriguez. He fell off a cliff. K Rod. Yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, and uh, what year was it? In 2016, he had a, he had a 3.24 ERA, which was slightly dr- slight drop off from his previous year. Um, still struck out almost a batter an inning. And then in 2017, also with Detroit, he. He totally lost it. Um, yeah. Walked 11 guys in 25 innings. Still struck out almost a batter an inning, but um, his control loss had a 7.82 ERA. I mean, he was getting up there in age at the same time, but um, I mean, it's still sort of just in general, relievers are hard to predict. Age is not friendly to our rel- our fellow relief pitchers, so. But for now, we're gonna take a qu- we're gonna take a quick break. But stick around and listen to more on deck circle on KCU eighty eight point one FM. When we return, we're gonna discuss the great Tom Seaver's legacy, and well as t- still to come, we have some trade deadline to talk. For KCU bumper, KCU eighty eight point one FM, Columbia, Missouri. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man, mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man, mm, man. 
Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, meth. Ooh, meth. Okay, company picnics Tuesday. Lou, you order those shirts? Nah, just gonna have my wife make some. Sit down. Shut your mouth. Y'all gonna look like a bunch of suckers. Hey, who's this guy? They call me T-Shirt. Shirt. Unless you get your threads from Digit Graphics. Whether it's for your work, your team, or your charity, Digit Graphics will have you looking good. Would we look as cool as you? Not a chance in hell. But you will dig it. Check out DigitGraphics.com. Don't just wear it. Dig it. Shirts. Make sure to start your week off right by listening to General Emission on KCOU 88.1 FM from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Monday morning. I think he's wrong, though. You're, it's a you're heartless agreeing move. and disagreeing There's, on the same topic. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing that it wasn't a smart move. I'm just not disagreeing with Anthony Davis's dad either. Once again, that's General Admission from 8 to 9 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM for the latest updates from the MLB, NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. Welcome back to On Deck Circle here on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Adam Rosen, about six, six feet apart across from Michael Levitt. And we're just continuing our discussion on some recent baseball news. One of the bigger stories this past week was the tragic passing of MLB legend, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, Tom Seaver. He passed away at 75 due to complications from Lewy body dementia and COVID-19. Seaver was a three-time Cy Young winner, pitched 20 seasons, most notably with the New York Mets, and carried a 286 ERA, 3,640 strikeouts, good enough for sixth all time. Yesterday, the Mets honored him by putting dirt on their right knees. It symbolizes that his, about his knee and how it sometimes would hit the mound so he would get some dirt on his knee when he, while he threw his pitches. And honestly, many would argue he's the greatest starting pitcher of all time. But regardless of that, rest in peace. What an what a unfortunate loss for the major, for Major League Baseball community. Yeah, I would second that. Um, definitely, I mean, I definitely send my condolences to Seaver's family, anyone who knew him. Um, he will always be remembered in baseball for his historic career. And he's considered to be the greatest man of all time. Um, has the record for career opening day starts, led the National League in strikeouts five times, and also was the star of the 1969 Mets that improbably won the World Series. He was also the first Mets player to have his uniform number retired by the team and held the record for highest Hall of Fame voting percentage until Ken Griffey Jr. broke it in 2016, which was then broken again by Mariano Rivera just a year ago. Seaver was not only an all-time great pitcher, but was also an all-time great competitor. His dedication to the art of pitching was one of the facets of his game that made him as great as he was, and that is one of the ways that his legacy will continue to live on. Yeah, I really Tom Seaver just unf- an awful loss for baseball, and his impact was unforgettable. And all respect, condolence. I do want to send my condolences as well to all who know him, and especially the Seaver family. I mean, that Miracle Mets team. I mean, he they called him Tom Terrific, and he was terrific during those during his all throughout his career. I really do think he is. Uh, I think you could put him. I think mo- I would actually put him as probably my best pitcher of all time. 
So we're all after that. We're gonna head off to another short break. Don't go anywhere because we're gonna be right back here for more on deck circle on KCU eighty eight point one FM. One still loves you, Boris Yeltsin. And you're listening to KCOU Columbia. 88.1. You love them enough to do anything for them. Mom, I need to be wiped. Coming. Including checking NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Mommy, no one's buying any lemonade for our team. Maybe the lemonade's too sour. Sounds like Mama needs a little sugar. You need a sweet sign from Diggit Graphics. Who are you? They call me T. Shirts. Shirts. Diggit Graphics has all the hottest vinyl banners and signs in town. Besides, you know what they say. When life hands you lemons. You make lemonade? No, man. You squirt that bad boy back in life's eye. Oh. Diggit Graphics. Don't just wear it. Dig it. Diggitgraphics.com. Shirts. Now that I've gotten on the internet, I'd rather be on my computer than doing just about anything. It's really cool. The internet gave us a whole world of exciting new possibilities. So I guess this is a story of how it changed our lives. lives. Change your life. Change the way you do the internet. Go like KCOU on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at KCOU and on Instagram at KCOU881. Stay up to date on the latest online content, events, giveaways, and more. You may be right. I think we're being followed now. Don't look. Just play cool. So what are you waiting for, young keyboard warrior? The wonderful world of KCOU is just one click away. I'm Michael Levitt with Adam Rosen, and this is On Deck Circle. So, other than Seaver, the biggest news this past week was the trade deadline. Among the bigger names traded were Mike Clevenger, Starling Marte, Mike Miner, and Trevor Rosenthal. Adam, who do you think was the biggest winner of the trade deadline? I I think we have to say it's the San Diego Padres. They're able to acquire a ridiculous amount of win-now guys. Trevor Rosenthal... Austin Nola, Mike Clevenger. That's a, that's a heck of a haul right there. And they're all locked up for a good while. I don't know about – I think Rosenthal's uh, not too not too long, but Clevenger's got a few more years of control. Austin Nola's got like four more. And they hit, and people are like talking, oh, wow, they gave up way too much. They depleted their farm system. Actually, they kept all of their top prospects. Uh they kept almost all of their top prospects. They kept five. They still have five players in the MLB on MLB Pipeline's top 100 list, and a, a couple of them are top 20 or top 30. People were quick to say that they gave that. They did not sell the farm. They're still incredibly deep. They're still a top 10 farm system, maybe top five if you're if you're that ambitious. But they're they're still and right now they're 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 fourth in win percentage across the National League. And I really do think they're the, – I seriously think they're the biggest threat to the Los Angeles Dodgers in the National League. The Braves without their – would have Max Fraid. Obviously, Acuna is Acuna, and they have a lot of other talent. But 
with the injuries to other players on that rotation, I didn't, they didn't really add anyone at the deadline starting wise. I think I think it and the Cubs. I don't I don't know about them really. I I don't think they're going to be that great big of a threat to L A. I do think it is the Padres that are the biggest threat to them in that division. They are fourth and win again. They're fourth and win percentage in the National League. So, and I also I think they're going to be fine. I think their farm system is going to be fine too, because they've been doing a great job with that. I also think that the Diamondbacks, another team in the NL West, made some quality moves. They're one of the coldest team in baseball in win percentage. They're actually the third worst team in ba- in the National League when you look at the percentages. But so trading Starling Marte was a smart move. Also Archie Bradley. I the the Starling Marte one was a little weird because I did not expect them to just trade him immediately even with how bad they have been. But the one that the biggest shock about that one was the Marlins. Like what? What? I know they were trading VR and I get they don't trust Luis Brinson because lord he cannot hit. Uh, but overall, I think when you look at it, the Padres and the Diamondbacks are the big winners. The Mariners are winners because of what they they got a lot. They got some decent prospects back. I I still iffy on Taylor Trammell because of the fact that he's been traded twice as a prospect, top prospect. Now that doesn't that gives me some red flags. And the Red Sox, they didn't really sell the farm. I I did expect I really expected them to look into trading Martinez. I know you were looking about Bogarts, so they, but they didn't do that. Maybe because I don't see a reason J.D. Martinez stays with them after this season. Maybe he won't. Maybe because he's got, I don't know if he'll get a lot of money in the open market because he's also struggled this year. But I still think any, t- I don't see the NA, I don't see the designated hitter going away. I think it's stay. I think it's here to stay. And that means every team in the NL could use it because not all the team, almost every team in the NL, no, NL, no team in the NL was prepared for a DH. So I think if you look at that, I mean, J.D. Martinez would be a great pickup. And as well as the Angels, I I did expect Bundy to move, but Brian Goodwin was an interesting trade. I think they made some solid moves, uh, as well as getting rid of Tommy Listella, who I love dearly. Um, so I think those were some quality team moves at the deadline. Michael, who do you, what do you think about the deadline? Um, I definitely I did expect the Red Sox to make some more moves. Um, I also expected them to move um, Jackie Bradley Jr., since he's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, however, they did hold on to him. They ended up trading Mitch Moreland as well. They honestly didn't get too much for the guys they traded, other than the um, Brandon Workman deal, which we talked about last week. Um, I mean, we d- they didn't really get too much. Too, I mean, they didn't get too much to help them in the future. It was more just sort of, giving away players so that they could then bring up young players to play more. Which, I mean, that's a good thing too, but... I th- I mean, you're basically just... Sell- you're almost just selling them, basically. I mean, you're not really getting much in return. For me, yeah, it's like you're buying a used video game and then just selling it back for less. I don't... Like, I liked their... I like... They made the right moves, but I don't think they got the right value for those. I think some of they could have done more... And like you said, they're just selling to bring up young guys. I get it. You want them to have big league playing time. But if you bring someone up too early, which you'll know, like I think like if you look a long time ago, teams did that. Like the biggest person that sticks out to me, especially as a Cubs fan, is Junior Lake. They brought him up early because and he raked for a month. And then he realized and then people realized, oh, this guy can't hit a cannot hit a breaking ball. So they stopped. They just gave him that. And he couldn't because that's the thing you have to you if you bring someone up too early 
it could work out for you, but 99% of the time, I, almost all the time, if you bring up a guy too early, they're going to struggle a lot, and it's going to hurt their confidence, and it's actually going to lower what their ceiling is to me. I think if you bring someone up too early, it hurts their development too so much that if you don't make if you don't put them back down and let them grow them up a lot, they're doomed. Their career is going to be a big wash or a bust. And, and speaking speaking yeah. of the Cubs, I think that really helped with Ian. Hatt. Ian, yeah, um, sending him down last year was definitely the right move. Um, let him develop more. Let him play every day. Um, I mean it. It helped him develop his skills more, which was definitely something he needed, especially since he hadn't been playing the outfield for too long. So, I mean, it definitely helped him defensively. Obviously, you look at him now, he's one of the best offensive players in the league, probably the Cubs' best hitter. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that could help. At the same time, you don't want to keep them down too long, yeah. especially if you're competing, because you're also... They could they could be better than what you have what you're using instead of them. So if you're just letting them th- sit in the minors and they're not they're actually ready. Um, I mean it, it, it's tough. I mean it's it's one of those decisions where it could go. You don't really know how it's going to turn out until it actually happens, and it's just it's it's sort of hard to judge at times. I mean especially if you take the Dodgers in like the last five ten years they've had. They have so many good prospects that come up through their system while also keeping the talent at the big league level. They're just... They're a machine. Yeah. I mean, they're, they don't have room for the guys at the majors, but then they, they're actually ready to come up in the majors. They just don't have a place for them. I mean, that's why... Um, I mean, they ended up trading uh, former prospect Willie Calhoun. Former prized... If you play MLB The Show and you've ever played against the Rangers... Former prize dodge, former prize Dodger prospect Willie Calhoun will get stuck in your head, and it will never leave your head, because every time we we play MLB the show, oh my! But he he's all right. I think that was the U Darvish trade. So yeah, if you keep a guy too long, you have to sometimes. Well, the Dodgers. I, I, what is Andrew Friedman on? He's like, I, he has to have like magic wizard powers because, like they're they're always winning, so they always have late picks, but they always have top prospects. He's just a genius. He's like a Bill Belichick. And he was using that when he was with the Rays before that, too. Um, I mean, they because they were ridiculous at uh, churning out pitching. They still are. They're still turning out a really good pitching. And, I mean, yeah, with, with the Rays, it was a lot harder because you didn't have the money to keep the guys at the major league level. With the Dodgers, it's... You have too many guys almost because you have the money to keep these guys at the major league level. And also, you're also able to develop these guys. And, I mean, you, they, I mean, they could almost have probably a 40-man roster all with guys who are ready for the major leagues. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I think, yeah, the Dodgers, yeah, they, they did it. They're just stacked on stacked, and they're going to be good for, like, forever, honestly. But... Yeah, so I, I think if we look at that, those teams did really well this year at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, I would the Mariners definitely they did good. Um, trade away Taiwan Walker, Daniel Vogelbach, Austin Nola, Taylor Williams, Dan Altavia, and Austin Adams, and got back a top one hundred prospect in Taylor Trammell. Who, yeah, there's some red flags, like you said, because he's been traded twice now in the past year. 
Um, you also get a good utility infielder in Ty France, decent catching prospect in Luis Torrens, and a controllable reliever in Andres Munoz, plus two players to be named later. Uh, I mean, it's not that bad of a haul. Uh, Walker was a free agent at the end of the year. Vogelbach was designated for assignment before before they traded him because he just wasn't doing good this year. Um, they are only five and a half games back of the second wild card, so they still decided to sell. I think it worked out pretty well. I mean, you got rid of some of your main pieces, and obviously you do still have some some big contracts on your roster. You still have D. Gordon. Um, I mean, it, it's trading Nola obviously hurts catching for this year, but Tom Murphy's been hurt, so they get him back to be the starting catcher next year. Yeah. And, I mean, Torrens can just be the backup. He's not that... He's he's a little worse than Nola, but for a backup catcher, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and, I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, they're not, they're just... They're they're just trying to build for the future. If they what they're trying to get, I liked I liked that move by them just to sell off because they need it. I mean, I they they haven't made the playoffs in like since they like seventeen years now. I mean, last time they made the playoffs, I I like they went one hundred sixteen games. They they haven't. They need to do something for those fans in Seattle and rebuild stink. But they a lot of the time they work out in the long run, and hopefully for them it does work out. Another team I actually did like that we I haven't talked about yet is Cleveland. I think they did a, a solid job getting what they did for Clevenger. I, I feel like if they were really greedy, they could have asked for more. But I don't know. I did. I was really serious. I thought they were going to look into trading Lindor because he's only got a year and a half now. I don't know what they're going to do with resigning him because they're. I mean, obviously they're a fantastic team. They're one of the. T- they're they're in that massive three-headed race for the AL Central, but I think if you look at it, really the only guy I see staying around long term for them, like is Jose Ramirez, maybe Framo Reyes, and Plesac. I guess I can see Shane Bieber staying. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Shane Bieber. Obviously, I forgot about that. Shane Bieber, yeah, Shane Bieber's a stud. But and then for teams that lost, I honestly don't understand the Blue Jays. They're not a win-now team. I don't know. I think they should know that. And obviously, due to the expanded postseason, they're in a playoff spot. Maybe they want to try and play spoiler, but I don't get why they would risk any asset, assets that could be valuable down the line for when they're truly contending, when they need, they could actually make a big move, especially for a wild guy like Robbie Ray. I get the Walker trade because he's a free agent anyways, and he's, he's been, he was solid in his first debut. Robbie Ray had a, a promising start performance in his de- debut, but... He's been awful this year. Like, he's been really awful. It's, it's sad how awful he is. I mean, like, they're probably not going to resign. I mean, unless he, like, does decent, continues to do, have a promise, some promising performances for them like he did in his debut, he's going to walk. And I don't – not he's going to walk like he walks a bunch of – like he does with batters. Um, so I, maybe a change of scenery is going to help this like him, but I don't know. Another team I think they lost with the Pirates. They did nothing. They did nothing. I don't get that. You have nothing. You you have like nothing. Down. I mean, like you have a good farm system, but if you if you you're not trying to contend now, I would get rid of Josh, like you said last week. Josh Bell, bye. Keon Kella, I know he's hurt, but bye. Um, I just don't get that. I know they called up Key Brian Hayes, who's their top was their top prospect, and he he's done pretty solid in his day in his first few games. 
but I think they really need to make some moves in the offseason. And then the Yankees, what were they doing? They didn't do anything. They Garrett Cole was their prize free prize offseason acquisition, and he's been not great this year. I'm not gonna say bad, but he's been pretty eh this year. So really the they, they, they could have tried to get Lance Lynn. I think they should have tried. Or at least I think they really just should have done it. I mean, unless they would have had to get up like Dominguez, Davey Garcia, who's who was outstanding in his debut. The Pirates, the Pirates and Yankees were flat out bad the, at the deadline. The Blue Jays confused me, but now we're gonna have to look forward. We're gonna have to look forward to what comes next in the home stretch of this short season. Yeah, I mean, I think the Blue Jays confused me too, but they they didn't give up much for the guys that they got. I mean, they gave up um, a relief a relief pitcher who's Travis Bergen, who's a 26 year old relief pitcher, hasn't been good at the major league level. Gave up him in cash for Robbie Ray. Give up a player to be named later for Jonathan VR, and then um, gave up a player to be named uh, two players to be named later for Ross Stripling from the Dodgers. Who's he's a controllable guy; they'll have him for the next couple years. And then obviously Taiwan Walker, which they gave they gave up a player to be named later or cash for him. So I mean, they didn't they didn't give up that much of the future. And I think, yeah, I. I don't see them going too far in the playoffs, but I think for them, especially not giving up much, I think it was sort of worth the risk to try to see and see if you can make it as far, hopefully be like the Nationals from last year, make it as a wild card, and or possibly even the um, second place in the division and be guaranteed a spot. And I mean, just sort of see how far you can get with this team. Just try to, I mean, they tried to add what they could get without giving up too much. So, I mean, I i, I don't think that's too bad on their part. Um, the Yankees, on the other hand, that I'm not so sure about. Because, the, um, I mean, they've just had so many injuries this year that they, um, yeah, they have a lot of depth, but... Obviously, the more that they have to rely on it, the less other depth they have. And with, with them, players keep getting hurt. Gio Ursula was just put on the injury list today. Um, Gleyber Torres and, uh, could be back this weekend. DJ LeMahieu just came back. But, I mean, still, when you have guys who keep getting hurt, especially when you're stars like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, James Paxson, um, when those are the guys who get hurt, your key guys, I mean... You, you don't think about giving up, but you you question how much your confidence in the team going that as far obviously goes down. And they, I mean, they, they don't have bad backup plans. Miguel Andujar at third base for Ursula, that's not a bad backup plan. But, I mean, obviously the more backup plans you have to use, the less confident you get. So, um, I mean, I guess if, though, if their stars can come back healthy soon, at least the guys who they're expecting to come back this season. Um, I mean, then I would say they have a good shot at beating out the Blue Jays for second place. Otherwise, it's almost like a toss-up. I mean, it sort of depends on how good these backup plans work out. And, I mean, it's just sort of, I don't know. It's, it, it doesn't, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me that they didn't do much, that they didn't do anything. Yeah. Same with the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates doing nothing was... I mean, they trade Jared Dyson, but other than that, I mean, they didn't trade much. I mean, Josh Bell, yeah, he has a couple years. I get that you want to hang on to him, but you would think that you would have tried trading something. 
Yeah, I could agree with that. And the, with the Blue Jays, I know a player to be named later, like, usually they're not much. Usually they don't do much. Like, they usually don't end up, end up being anything big. Not, and I'm not saying those players are the 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 them the ones they traded are going to be amazing, but I feel like if you give up that much, who knows what they could turn out to be. And again, I don't want to take too much of a stretch here, but remember David Ortiz was a player to be named later, and so is Shane Baz, who's a top ten, top 100 prospect. Yeah, Michael Brantley was too. Yeah, so I, I'm not saying any of them are going to be like that, but like I just don't get what the Blue Jays did there. It's, it feels like to me they're just do, trying to make a random postseason run that's not going to get very far. It, it, it It's obviously nothing like I doubt any of it's going to end up like with James Shields, but like giving up randomly early just to get pitchers who you might not even keep. I don't get that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Stripling's not a bad guy to have. Yeah, Ray, Stripling's Ray right. and Walker are both free agents. So, I mean, the, and VR is too, I believe. So, I mean, those... Those are the ones that I guess have more risk associated with them because you're not you don't have as much time to get the players. Whereas stripling you get for the next two and a half years. Um and I mean they have I mean they can get a lot I mean they can get a lot out of him if they want to. So uh we will head off to one final break here on KCOU eighty eight point one FM. Stay tuned for more On Deck Circle right after this, here with Michael Levitt and Adam Rosen. I'm Jocelyn. And I'm Emily. And And we we are Curl Curl and the Beard. Beard. You're listening to KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. Tune into High and Tight with me and my co-host Logan Perone as we catch you up on the latest signings, trades, news, scores, and highlights from around America's pastime. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. on the 88.1 FM stream and on our website, KCU.FM on the Blue Box. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable. But how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. KCOU would like to shout out East Side Cavern. It's the bar that's bizarre. Downtown Columbia's best karaoke comedy club. With a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week, East Side is a solid place to hang out. I'm Josh Bohm. I had the Josh Bohm Radio Fun Time program on KCOU from 2012 to 2016. I'm here to tell you to support KCOU. You'll make an old man in his 20s very happy. Welcome back to On the... On Deck Circle here on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Adam Rosen, still six feet apart across from Michael Levitt. We've talked trade deadline. We've discussed the great legacy of the great Tom Terrific Seaver, recapped some drama in the Bronx between the Rays and Yanks, and now 
MLB announced a few players, their play, their annual player of the month, players of the month. So for the National League, it was player, their pitcher, their player, pitcher, and rookie were Fernando Tatis Jr., you Darvish, and Jake Cronenworth of the resp- respectively. And for the AL player, pitcher, and rookie of the month, it was Jose Abreu, Shane Bieber, and Luis Robert, also respectively. Michael, any? Do you have any? Are there any shocking ones here? The AL player and pitcher were definitely what I expected. Um, AL rookie, on the other hand, I mean, it's it's a tough call between Kyle Lewis and Luis Robert. Um, I mean, it's a tough call to make. Um, I'm almost leaning toward Kyle Lewis. Yeah, Robert's a better defender, but Lewis offensively, um, I mean, he's he's hitting 328, a four on te- 418 on base percentage, slugging 527, while only having about I mean, his walk-to-strikeout ratio is about .6, which is pretty good for a rookie. Um, for the NL, Tatis and Darvish deserve the awards, yeah. And while many fans probably don't know much about Jake Cronenworth, the former Rays prospect has had an impressive year so far, as he's been slashing 346 of, with a four on th- 403 on-base percentage and slugging 598 as, as the Padres' utility infielder. He's steadily taken playing time from Jerickson Profar, who was acquired in the offseason with the intent of being the starting second baseman. But manager Jace Tingler, Mizzou alum, has been rewarding Cronenworth for his hot start with extra playing time, unfortunately at the expense of Profar. So yeah, I mean, I'd say the only one that wasn't... I'd say all the players were deserving. The only sort of toss-up is between Robert and and Lewis. Um, Did any of them surprise you, Adam? You know, for me, for me, I I don't think any of them actually surprise me, because people are for okay. Let's talk about the ones that are blatantly obvious: Tatis, Shuin, Darvish. He's been ridiculous. Cronenworth's been great for San Diego and AL. It was a fair. It was pretty fair for pitcher. I mean, there's no other. There's no no other argument against. There's no argument against uh, Shane Bieber. Jose Abreu has been flat out incredible, and like I said last week, he's my AL MVP. Come at me for that one, everyone. <laughs> um, the fact that for the for rookie of the month for the American League, it's so the rookie of the month, the, this award for of the month just goes back from the start of the season on because it's like you can't just give player of the month for seven days back in July. So that they're just talking about up from the beginning of the season for this. However, the thing is. People argue that Luis Robert wasn't as good as Lewis because of the average, the OBP, and a little lower OPS, more strikeouts. The fact of the matter is Luis Robert is much more hyped up than Lewis. His team's in a playoff spot, and the Mariners for Lewis are not. And obviously, does that mean Lewis shouldn't get consideration? Absolutely not. He should get total consideration. He's been fantastic. But for me, if I'm looking down the line, and obviously this isn't how you determine this award, I'd prefer Robert all day. He's a superior fielder. I think he's got a lot more potential as a player. I think he's been I do honestly think he struck out more, but that's normal for a rookie. Rookies strike out like all the time. So Robert like his defense is way better. Lewis Kyle Lewis his UZR and so UZR is basically it it puts a run value to defense. It quantifies uh, from this is from Fangraphs. It attempts to quantify how many runs a player saved or gave up through their fielding power hours and in parentheses for them, or lack thereof. So Kyle Lewis this year is negative 3.6. 
Robert's a positive 2.0. And obviously, like, that's not, like, an amazing number. But when you look at the defensive run saved, it's 8 for uh, Robert. And for Lewis, it's not – it's it's negative 3. That's a – I mean, Luis Robert is a much better fielder. And I still think he's going to be a lot better in, in general. And I – honestly, more homers. Um – and I mean, they've barely they have a, such a minimal difference in how many times they've been to the plate. So I really do think Luis Robert deserved it because the way he's impacted that team is much bigger than the impact that I'm not uh, than Lewis. And I kind of some people like say, oh, it's a narrative. Like their narratives are very important when you determine awards in sports. And I think that's a big narrative to look at for them. So I, I Kyle Lewis has been great. It's you could have picked. You can't go wrong with either one of them for this award. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree. I mean, it's it's a tough call to make. I mean, it's yeah, Robert's more hyped up, and that might be the reason why they went with him is because because he is so hyped up that I mean, I don't know. He has probably lived up to it, um, at least for the most part. Yeah, he's striking out a lot, but his defense is great. He's He's hit a good amount of the homers. I mean, he's lived up to the hype, and Lewis has obviously overachieved the amount of hype he got. Although he he does play... Robert plays a more um, premium position, whereas uh, Lewis also did play a little bit last year. If, um, not much, but, I mean, he came up a little bit towards the end of the year. So... I mean, yeah, he's had a little more experience, but I don't know. I I don't know that fielding really. I don't. I don't consider fielding as much as I think. I think hitting is sort of is more of a indicator more than fielder fielding, at least for this award. Yeah, yeah. For me, part of it is that I am super. Lo- I'm a super big fan of defense, and defense is just awesome, and so is pitching. So I just think defense matters a lot for this, but. With that, we are going to send. We are gonna. That will be the end of today's episode. Thank from from Adam Rosen and Michael Levitt. We would love to thank you guys for listening to On Deck Circle here on KCO eighty eight point one FM. Happy Labor Day weekend and stay safe out there. What's up, y'all? This is Whitmer from Nerdtastic, and you're listening to K.